Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. What are those little pesky things? Chipmunks. Chipmunks. They could be those things, because I've seen them around. There is a chipmunk on the premises that I encountered several times. The same one, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's the same one, because he was going to, to in and out of sort of the, the same location. Yeah, it's probably in the basement. It's underneath those stairs on the way yeah, up to the back yeah. porch. Okay, so it's not in the house. No, and you could see, by the way, the skin of the little tiny tomato, the cherry tomato. They're eating them and peeling them. <laughs> they're peeling them like they're waiters. They're peeling them. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Dog is going crazy. Jesse is going crazy. Michael is here. Tori is here. Dog is barking, jumping up. Wants she's to excited about the start of the Olympics. Lick the microphones. The Olympics. Let's just go to that for a second. I just watched about 20 minutes of the opening ceremony. Yeah, you were the one. Now, the, yeah, the op- <laughs> right. The opening it's, was on uh, NBC. The opening ceremony to all Olympics is fine if you're there and if you're a long distance away. It's like 87 Super Bowl halftimes, and it's not very good. But when you see this, and there's no crowd at all, it looks like a rehearsal for the opening ceremony. I mean, these performers from Japan are doing everything they can, sing and dance, and I assume they're telling the history of the country because that's what most of these opening ceremonies do. They tell the history of the country in some way. But it is... Hopefully they're not telling jokes. It feels flat. No, I don't think there's nobody was doing stand up, you know, um, but it feels so flat, right? It just it it's hollow and flat. And I always think of not the big star Olympians, you know, not the Kate Ledeckis who have been to these before, but the like, the guy who's a weightlifter and he also has a part time job at Home Depot. Yeah. And that's a huge thing for them. Right, the opening ceremony. Well, they're going to walk in. They're they haven't walk walked in, in yet. I mean, when we're doing this, they haven't walked not all in of yet. Them. It's, I think the numbers no. are, are much smaller for this one. What's the reason of not walking in when there's nobody in the stands? What's the difference? Why can't they walk in? Is that a pandemic-related well, thing? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of athletes are trying to limit themselves in terms of exposure because oh. they want to make sure they get to their event because you continue to see numbers. Are they going to wear masks on the walk? Everybody knows this by now, and I'm saying it stupidly. Are they going to wear masks on the walk-in? I guess they are. And were they designed by Ralph Lauren? I've, is that he usually does the uniforms? Did you see yeah. the jackets? They're like yeah. air conditioning jackets. You pull a little string and it's it's breathable. Really? Yeah. Nice. It'd be nice to have a jacket like that when it's really hot. Although the last two mornings it's been a cool temperature, which is nice. But I love the Olympics. I do, and I want to see the competition in the Olympics. But boy, if you have no crowd at all, it you know you felt that when you watched games last year with no crowd at all, and into this year. It's it. There's a flatness to it. It's different. You have to really concentrate on the game, and then you can sort of submerge yourself in it. But I don't know. But for I don't some, know. you guys would know better than I would. But for some athletes or some sports, maybe it's better not to have the distraction. Sure, I'm right? sure that's not true. To get I'm sure. Let's just talk crowd. about golf. There are certain golfers who do better with no crowds. Yeah. Yeah, just remember Hideki Matsuyama at this year's Masters. But then you also think about individual sports for this, where you might know your numbers so well that you actually need to hear some of that noise just to break the pattern of your practice that you've been yeah. going through now, you know, forever because you had to add this extra year training. Just it's it's, it's simply weird. weird. Um, you had a shout out. Yes, yeah, speaking of the Olympics. Okay, his name is Doug Payne. He's on the three-day eventing team, which is one of the three equestrian disciplines at the Olympics. But and, when you say three-day, it's not constant. It's not 72 straight hours of riding a horse. No, but it's it's three different things these horses and riders have to do. The dressage part, which is kind of the horse ballet. 
um, jumping, which is big jumps go fast, and then this absolutely brutal, ridiculously terrifying thing called cross country, which is a really significant thing. And Doug, who is a longtime fan of this show. Oh, that's great. Yeah, longtime fan of the show, was an alternate. But unfortunately, the horse ahead of his got injured, can't go over. So Doug's moved up, and he's a starter, and he's very excited. And he sent a picture. He'd say, I'd say this would qualify as an Aldridge moment, and I will show it up for News Channel 8. It's a, it's, he has taken the picture from the back of his horse looking out over the cross-country course, current view in Tokyo. So we wish him the best of luck. So it is my understanding that when you go over there, a lot of people from the Post are there, a lot of you know people from NBC that I know are there. It's my understanding they test you all the time. You're walking down the street they and you get They test you yeah. all the time, yeah. and they don't tell you what the results are unless they're positive. And you have to sign up for this app that tracks you you have yes. no choice it's mandatory it, it it it's very it seems very very odd i think that when people get back they will tell in essence horror stories about es especially this. people who have covered other olympics yeah. people have attended it's other really olympics. different yeah also in terms of shout outs from finn of pineapple landscaping got a call today from clint robinson of guy roofing the company's from south carolina and clint is their operations manager and he's up here fixing roofs on some buildings like the condo that overlooks columbia Anyway, they need pineapple to fix some grass that's damaged. The point is, I asked how he found us, pineapple, and he says the Tony Kornheiser Show. He's been listening since 1999, so we shout nice. out to Clint Robinson. Finn, and, we need to connect. Huh? We need to connect. Yes, I, yeah. I have some new needs. Yeah, you have stuff that you have to do, so you can do that. <laughs> um, so I have to tell this story. So my friend Jody, Jody Forstadt, who's a doctor in Florida and listens all the time, and he and I went to camp together, and our relationship goes back close to 70 years at this point. Jody went to Malvern and I went to Hewlett and we've known each other forever and ever. And he told me this joke the other day, so I tried this. I think it's actually pretty Is it good. about the X chair? No, no, Jody wants X-wheel casters though. He's got the X chair and he thinks he should get the X-wheel casters ex post facto, he should get them, but we'll see what happens. Um, so he says a guy wants to sell his dog and he puts an ad in the paper to sell his dog and he says, my dog talks. Guy answers the ad and says, what do you mean your dog talks? He says, I have a talking dog. The dog talks. So it says, oh, I'm going to come over. I want to I see the dog. So this other guy comes over to the first guy's house, the owner's house. The buyer comes over to the seller's house. And the seller says, here's the dog. And the buyer says, you talk? And he goes, yeah, I talk. What's the big deal? <laughs> oh, the guy is completely nonplussed because the dog just said to him, yeah, I talk. What's the big deal? He said, well, I don't know that other dogs talk. He says, well, I talk. He says, and the dog says, I've just come back from Afghanistan. I was working with the United States Army. I would infiltrate Taliban headquarters because I'm a dog. They didn't care that I was there. And I was able to get all the Taliban secrets and tell them to the army. The guy is just beyond belief that this is happening. He takes the seller into another room and he says, the dog talks. Why do you want to sell the dog? And the guy says, he lies. He's never been to Afghanistan. <laughs> now, that's funny. That's a funny joke. That's a funny right? joke. You don't, you don't see that coming. No, misdirection. You just don't see that coming. And when you can Jody tell told me that joke last night. I thought I would actually. Now, I don't want people sending me jokes, which oh, they have in the past. The background. This is great. You just don't send me, because now you're going to send me, I got this great joke, and then we're going to have to go through it on email. Don't do it. Don't do it, but that that is funny, right? It is funny, and it's one you can tell in any company, which I like. I like all-purpose jokes. Yeah, the dog's lying. nicely done, nicely delivered too. Yeah, well, you know, I can, you know, I know how to tell a story. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, so I have some advice question here. 
I am going late next month, or actually the middle of next month, I'm going to upstate New York to my friend Michael Kerr's house where a bunch of us who were in high school together play golf for two, three days. And that's a long drive. That's a six-hour drive for me. I don't really want to make a six-hour drive. So I thought I would take the train. And I, ooh, Tori just went, ooh. Yeah, yeah, but you're going on trips. You're going on trips that last planes, that duration. What's the Planes and, and public service announcement. Airports are really crowded now. So, yeah. so you went, ooh. So I was going to get on an Amtrak train. From DC, go ahead. Say, <laughs> I made reservations. I don't look. I, I can just cancel them. But I mean, ag- I want to. Years ago, when we reached the point where my parents really shouldn't have been driving long distances, we put them on the train once from Pittsburgh. Yeah. Now Pittsburgh, not that far away, right? By driving four, four and a half. Four hours. hours that's it. Two this days. Is over two, days. <laughs> two days. Two days. Two days. Oh, so you're not <laughs> worried about my health? You're worried about my arrival? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about the health risks? Because I think I think all public transportation. First of all, you have to wear a mask on the train. You have to mm-hmm. do that. So I got this train going up, and then a train coming back. That's like a much slower train coming back because it's Saturday night, and they don't have fellas or anything like I, that. Now I've not been on a train in the last year and a half. But Nor have I'm, I. I'm guessing they have solved the most annoying problem on you know the the Northeast region. I'm sure this is trains all around the country where the mice. Ev- and, well. The mice? What? What do you mean the mice? More than one. I'm sorry, I interrupt my story. No, more than one occasion. I used to take that train up to Philadelphia all the time in New York, and it was not uncommon mice mice scooting around and by the way in first were they checking i'm going in first you think they have mice in first regular acela and by the way if you see a mouse don't scream mouse (laughs) because then they stop the train and officials have to come on and look for the mouse oh so you just got to live with it you got to eat it live with it give them a piece of lettuce so you don't get a guaranteed seat What we so what? No, I, I was going to say everyone tries to box out a seat. Yes. So you have you have oh, no, people no, they, just walking up seats and down. They're uh, the, now. The car is looking for an open seat. And it's like the Forrest Gump seats taken, seats taken, pretending to yeah. be asleep, and they're not. Well, um, there are assigned seats now all over the train. Yeah. I'm told. I think this is a bad idea because we were Michael and we were just talking about this before the show. Are there certain, what are the circumstances in which you still put on a mask? So if you think you're going to be in a crowded place. Or if you think you're I put be- on a mask when I go into a supermarket. Yeah, right. That, you, that and, fits the bill. And yeah. if you think you're going to be in a place for an extended period of time, four hours. Yeah. Ooh, I drive. Break up the trip. Six. It's over six hours. Six hours is not that long. Whiz when you're old. Get yourself a nice book. book on, yeah. And read it while I'm driving. No, listen to it. Listen to it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. What do you think? I think you should drive. You do? Yeah. I already yeah. bought the tickets, but I could, you know, I could I could trade the tickets in. Now, would Nikki, you, Amtrak you, Nikki is listening stop? to this and Where dying. would you stop overnight if you <laughs> were to, if you were to break it up? I don't know. I don't want to stop. I, I think six hours is the point at which you don't stop overnight. Like I took six to Pinehurst rather than go eight yeah. to South Carolina. Okay, but without revealing the location, approximately what part of upstate New York? Are we talking? Uh, about two hours north of Manhattan. It's not that far. It's up the Hudson River. Up the Hudson River. I'd break up the trip. Yeah. yeah. Break up the trip. Go stay at Sean's house. <sighs> I don't really want... I like, I would like to avoid We just redid Manhattan. the spare room. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll go to your house the night before and maybe I'll drive. Yeah, I, I, could, I guess I could do that. You think that's smarter? Yes, sir. You do too. Yeah, go play West Hampton or, or, or go play. I don't. I can't go out. There. I, I don't. I'm, I'm go play one of your one of those North Jersey courses you always play, like Baldus Roll. 
Oh, that's good. I'll take yeah, the I mean, trip with yeah, you. I don't, yeah, I don't know that I can. All right. Okay. I was going to spend a lot of time talking about Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, but I don't care uh, because it's, it's <laughs> these conferences don't matter anymore. Within two years, there'll be one giant super conference divided up regionally, and, and right. those 40 to 50 schools will compete for the national championship and negotiate television contracts directly. And so the Kansases and Oregon States and Rutgers, Iowa States, they're, not, they're, they're out. They're out. It's as simple as that. They're not college football competitors anymore. And the NCAA is dead. It doesn't exist. It's not going. It, it exists only now in name. It's not going to exist at all because basically what the NCAA did is try to police schools from paying for athletes. And now that you can pay for athletes, what exactly is the purpose of the NCAA? They're just going to get in the way and take a percentage of the money that the schools can get. So it's going to be over. I don't know about all sports, but in football, because it's a, such a limited field of how many schools can actually win, it's over. Forget it. It's done. So we will take a break. Um, will Jeff Passan join us first today? Or, yes, or do we right. do news first? Right, Nigel? No, Jeff will join us. And we can talk to him. Yes. And by the way, we can once again, the Giants-Dodgers game last night was spectacular. And ended, it's the third game in a row that ends right at the, in the last at bat. All right, I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Nigel is not physically here for the FitBot ad, but since he can hear me, why don't you describe FitBot and why you like it? Uh, well, I love FitBot. It was great during the, you know, the, the heart of the pandemic when you couldn't get to the gym because it was like having a personal trainer right there on your phone to guide you through exercises. And maybe you're like me and you don't have a lot of equipment at your house. Well, it gives you all sorts of exercise you can do with any level of equipment and any level of skill and whatever you're sort of looking to do. And now you're back at the gym. You have access to all this brilliant equipment. It tells you exactly which workouts to do to work on which specific parts of your body. And it's much cheaper than uh, than having a trainer. It's much more cost effective than paying for a trainer. So I, I absolutely love it. So, so let me ask you a question. When I go to a gym, and I've got a trainer. I mean, I've got mm -hmm. Helen, although Helen is in England right now, so i got nobody right now. I see a lot of people looking at their phones, mm -hmm. and, and they're not communicating on their phones. Are they getting a workout? from? That's certainly possible, right? That they're, oh. they're FitBod people, and they're being told what to do next? Well, it's one of two things. It's, it's that it's either Fitboard people, you know, looking at what exercises and how they want to do it, and what's next, or it's somebody, yeah. you know, communicating on Instagram saying, hey, look at me, I'm at the gym working out. Hopefully it's not that that latter category. Oh, I don't think it is because I see people do something and then go back and consult their phone then do something else and then right. consult their phone. So yeah. I assume that's a workout of some sort and maybe it's FitBot. FitBot creates a program based on your unique body experience and environment. Their algorithm uses data and analytics to help you build on your last workout to maximize your results. By the way, algorithm didn't even exist in the 1940s. There was no such word. It's a new word. It's, it's new. Whether you're exercising three days a week or twice a day, every workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. FitBot workouts are balanced to avoid overworking muscles with varied exercises to keep you sharp. No equipment, as Nigel said. No worries. FitBot has bodyweight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go. Super easy to use. Has HD video tutorials to make learning new exercises a breeze. It integrates with other fitness and health apps like Apple Health, Fitbit, and Strava, or Strava, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Personalized training can be tough on the budget, but FitBot, as Nigel said, 
It's only $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year. And if you sign up now, you get 25% off your membership. So at a year membership, that would, that would get you down to about 45 bucks for the entire year. Pick up the pace on your fitness journey with FitBod today, and your future self will thank you. Get 25% off your membership at FitBod, F-I-T-B-O-D, dot me slash Tony. That is 25% off at FitBod, dot me slash Tony, and use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song called Feel It. It's from Crooked Coast. It's their brand new song sent to us by Rob Dundon. It's basically a love song, Rob writes, but now that we're getting together for live music, it feels like a love song to the world. Their goal for 2021 is to get away from weekly shows at the familiar places and branch out to newer and larger venues. They have shows planned for Nantucket, Martha's Vineyard, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island, to name a few. Finally, Luke and Great Luke is one of the members of Crooked Coast. Luke and Grace Vos, V-O-S-E, welcome their second girl in May, Robin Dahlia Vos. Thanks, as always, for playing our music and supporting us year in, year out, which we do. And they play in Jeff Passan. Um, and we're going to talk about baseball. And there's a lot of things I could start with. But every morning when I wake up and I turn on the early sports center, the lead story is the Giants and Dodgers again. For the third straight night, the Giants and Dodgers went down to the end. And for the third straight appearance, Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers, twice against the Giants now two days in a row, and one other time, bluest save um what what are we thinking as we watch that series and by we i mean you when you're watching that series with the giants and the dodgers this is a real rivalry this is 90 years and 3,000 miles this is a seems to me a very big deal um considering they're both very good teams this year what are your thoughts about how how these games are ending um, why did I just trade for Kenley Jansen in fantasy baseball? That, that honestly has, no, that has been my thought. Like I, I, I'm in a league with my friends from high school. This league has been around, uh, since 1991 when we were doing it with our fathers. And I just traded Aaron judge who I had as a keeper for very cheap in an auction league and Kenley Jansen got him like this week and he's I'm sorry to like do my fantasy laments on your show Tony but um, you know I'm thinking if I'm the Dodgers right now boy should we go and get Craig Kimbrell from, from the Chicago Cubs yeah, um, yeah. I, I'm thinking if I'm the Giants um. Wow, we just beat a better team three out of four games, and and I I think if I'm the Giants, I'm also beginning to think, boy, maybe we are the better team, and I I understand that's a weird thought because you you still you know you still look on paper, and on paper I'm sorry, but the Dodgers are better than everyone. Yes, they're the best um, team in baseball. They are. Yeah. 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 Um. But, but you know, Mookie Betts uh, has not had the year he expected. And Cody Bellinger just looks awful these days. And Corey Seager is out. And uh, the, the Dodgers look vulnerable right now. I think they're banking on the fact that they are better than everyone, and that's going to show up in October. But... They're also, I think, going to be aggressive this week as the trade deadline comes around, probably more aggressive than they were anticipating. 
Ken, Kenley Jansen has been a great reliever. Um, he had a bad year a couple of years ago. He bounced back last year, I think. He was heading into the Giants series. His ERA was 145. The last time he had blown a save at home to the Giants was 2013, as I said on PTI yesterday. 2013. That is, you know, that's Mariano Rivera land. I mean, that that's that's eight full years. But, but Jeff, it's different. It's like when the Yankees lose to the Red Sox, as happened last night, it's highlighted yep. in a different way. When the Dodgers lose to the Giants, it's not like losing to Arizona. This seems to me it could be almost a career ender for Kenley Jansen. It's two in a row. Yeah, I'm not going to career ender at this point, Tony. It's two in a okay. row, but it's during the regular season. And and the thing about Jansen is his stuff has been better this year. Did I just hear a dog bark? Yeah, that's Chessie the dog. She, uh, you know, we awesome. can't stop her. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, I love that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I that that just made my day right there. Happy dogs yeah. are the best. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, Kenley Jansen's career is not going to be over because he blew a couple of games to the Giants in July of, of 2021. His, okay. his career, I, I was worried about him last year because he was losing velocity. But he came back this year, and uh, his cutter's been a lot better. And if you look, if you look a couple nights uh, ago at the, the first save he blew um, to Wilmer Flores, he threw a 92-mile-an-hour cutter in the upper left-hand corner of the strike zone, and Wilmer Flores went up there and pulled that. That is an extremely hard thing to do. I don't think that was a bad pitch, actually. And Flores just beat him. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to look at Kenley Jansen right now and extrapolate anything out from it. It's, it you know what's happening right now? Something very similar to what happened to our oldest Chapman with the Yankees. Um, he's just going through a bad stretch right now and is going to try and figure himself out. But th this is the same kind of bad stretch that he's had the last couple of years, and the Dodgers have stuck with him. I just don't know if they're going to be patient enough this time to stick with him when you've got a guy like Kimbrell out on the market uh, and there to be had for prospects, which the Dodgers, Tony, have been extraordinary at drafting and developing to the point where I think they feel like they can give something like that up to go and try and win another World Series. So let's talk about that. Let's talk, since you mentioned Kimbrell and the trade deadline, which is coming up at the end of the week, next week. Um, the most significant acquisition in the last few years, I think, was Justin Verlander when he went from Detroit to Houston. Yeah. And whether Houston cheated or not, this, that's not, we're, not, we're outside that discussion now. But he came to Houston and he won a World Series. Is there a Justin Verlander out there, batter or pitcher, is there somebody out there this year where you're saying, because I, I have the great fear it's Max Scherzer, but there's somebody where you say, okay, this guy, if this guy moves, he can change everything. I mean, the answer to that is Max Scherzer, but there's just no, there's no sign or indication right now that the Nationals are going to be the team that's selling. I mean, it's, it's almost like at this point, we're getting so close to the deadline, Tony, that turning around and trading Max Scherzer would be difficult for the Nationals to do. Um, you know, he's got 
the no trade clause and right, right. Uh, and and there needs to be a um you know there needs to be incentives let's say uh that are baked in for him to waive it um and i i don't think he's going to do that willy-nilly and um it's just i'm sorry it's not mike rizzo's style to go selling when the teams are that are ahead of you are as flawed as the Mets, the Braves, and the Phillies are. And uh, you, I, listen, I could run through each of them. The the Mets, um, if Jacob Degrom's out, and we don't know how long he's going to be out for. Francisco Lindor is out for a month to two. Um, they're just not the same team without those two players. Um, the the Braves are missing their best Acuna. player, Ronald Acuna yeah. Jr. They're yeah, missing Mar- Marcelo Zuna, who, you know, amid the Trevor Bauer situation, let's not forget Marcelo Zuna's been accused of doing some heinous That's stuff right. as well. And he's not. Um, these guys are not coming back this year, and neither is Starlin Castro. They're not coming back. Yep, um, they're they're missing Mike Soroka, uh, who they were hoping to get back. I mean, they're the Braves are not the team we thought they were at the beginning of the season. The Phillies, like I want to believe in the Phillies because the Phillies have the easiest schedule by far, Tony, in the second half of the season in all of baseball. Uh, they've lost three in a row and they're under five hundred now. And and the Nats are just two games back of the Phillies and the Braves, and six back of the Mets. Those are very easy things to overcome if you get Steven Strasburg back and if Patrick Corbin pitches like uh, we know he's capable of, and if they go out and get a Chris Bryant potentially, and, and the aggressiveness of Mike Rizzo makes you believe more that the Nationals are going to be on the buy side than the sell side. So let me let many of the people you have just named are hurt, are physically hurt, are not being kept out of baseball yep. for other reasons. We saw this in basketball this year. So many great players were hurt, and it affected the way the playoffs, the competition in the playoffs. Of, of course it did. Is there a reason? Is this talked about in baseball? Are there any more injuries this year than before? And if there are, is there a reason people point to? There, you know, I haven't kept up, honestly, on how the injury rates compared to past seasons mm-hmm. since earlier since earlier in the year. Um, earlier in the year, the answer was yes, and everybody was blaming the pandemic. Um, uh, I, I, I never did that, Tony, because it felt more correlated to me than causative, and... I couldn't look at this and say directly that the pandemic or the shortened season or anything else uh, in particular caused this. And, and I still don't know. I think injuries are random, especially if you have soft tissue injuries, which there have been an excess of early mm-hmm. in the season. Um, but it, it's sports. Like, uh, you know, let's look at the injury to Ronald Acuna. He landed awkwardly on the warning track. I'm sorry that's not COVID. That's, that's, no, no, you're right. That's, 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 just, yeah. that's something that sucks. 
and and bad things unfortunately happen when brilliant human beings try to do incredible things on a daily basis. No, I'm, I'll give you that. By the way, I just I had written this down earlier. Uh, I have another answer to the Verlander thing that who could change everything and the Red Sox have him. It's Chris Sale if he comes yeah. back, right? I mean, if he comes back, they may very well be the best team in the American League. That they may be that now, but don't you think? I mean, he's a big deal and he's had two good starts in a row, but granted at very low minor league level. Yeah, I mean, there's Chris Sale coming back. There's Tanner Houck coming up. There's Jaron Duran coming up. Like, the the Red Sox, who already were the best team in the American League East, are primed to add three impact-type players without yeah. giving up anyone. And what they've done this season and the way Chaim Bloom has built that team, considering where they were last year, uh, it, it's pretty incredible um they, they don't miss they mookie won't. bets everybody said it was the worst no. trade in the history of the world and they're in first place yeah and they and here's the thing they they have financial flexibility now i know people in boston hate that uh they have financial flexibility now to go out and and get whoever they want uh, i mean that's right. like the, the the beauty of this is the red sox are so good tony it forced the Tampa Bay Rays to not be the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays went out and traded for the best hitter on the market yesterday, and that is yes. something that is so unrays like and so good to see, honestly. So let me—I'll get you out of here on this, and it's a question that I know you're asked all the time. But as I watch games, I think there's more hitting in games now than there was two months ago. I'm wondering: Are you convinced the goop is gone and that we have gone? that the, the balance has shifted back in favor of the hitter? Um, I am convinced that the goop is mostly gone. It, I, I almost feel like it's performance-enhancing drugs. You know, you're not going to eradicate, but it's not nearly as bad as it once was. I, I will say this, though. If you look back historically, Tony, uh, the, the months of June and July months, people hit. tend to yep. be it's Yeah. Like guys yep. hit yep. more, and batting averages jump, and so do slugging percentages. So, yep. uh, I like I'm sorry to be the broken record talking about causation and correlation, um, but I, I can't sit here and say specifically that mm -hmm. players are hitting better now because of the lack of of goo that uh, that pitchers are using. I will say this though: pitchers definitely are different. You definitely can see because we have an objective measure in spin rates you you can see that pitches are moving differently right now than they were back before june 21st when the enforcement went into play you can see uh, demonstrably that there are some pitchers and some pitchers tony who are on the trade market right now who simply don't have the same value to other teams than they did before june 21st because those teams see the spin rates and say, boy, I wonder who this guy is now that he's this pitcher with these spin rates. And was his performance beforehand something of a mirage? Yeah, that's great. Thanks. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk soon. Thank you very, very much. Jeff Passett is Thank you, fabulous. Tony. Fabulous. We will take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some news. We're going to sit amongst ourselves. We're going to let Nigel 
be the voice of God and tell us what the stories are, and then we will chat. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the policy genius ad. There's no better time than now to apply for life insurance because it's not just temperatures that are rising. Life insurance rates can go up each year you wait to buy. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's your children, aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance to properly provide for their families. Most people need 10 times the life insurance than they get through their employer. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. You can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not for the insurance companies, so you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. Getting started is easy. Just head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and the scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies. So head to policygenius.com, P-O-L-I-C-Y-G-E-N-I-U-S, policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Leonora Serper Boberski. Hope I pronounced that correctly. And the letter says, My friend Michael Snyder thought you might want to hear these for their potential into use. You have my permission to use them on air. Anyone can find my album Sides of Me by Leonora on Spotify. I recorded the songs in Germany in 2014. We also did a tour of Germany in 2015 and 2017. I myself grew up in Tenafly, New Jersey. I'm currently living in Tel Aviv. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> Leonora, how, great, how good is this? It's called You'll Pay. That's tremendous. Michael, if people want to send in their original music like Leonora, how do they go about doing it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. Just to me, if you needed somebody, for example, to play at a wedding, you would just go through the stacks of old podcasts and pick somebody out and say, would you like to play at a wedding? Well, is there a date already? Well, there might be. All right, let's go. Nigel, let's do the news. What do you got? Well, Mr. Tony, we'll talk. Uh, we'll start off by talking about the space race. I'm talking, uh, of course, about the billionaire space race. Earlier this month, um, Jeff Branson uh, was able to get into orbit, sort of winning. I think that it's race. Richard Branson. Oh, Richard I Branson. Think it's I'm sorry, Richard Branson. Yes, I'm yeah. sorry, misspoke on that. Uh, but now Jeff Bezos has joined that yep. club, and he has gone ten miles higher than Branson. This is with Bezos' Blue Origin pod. Um, he took off from West Texas. Uh, it was about a ten-minute flight. And uh, they went 66.5 miles up into the air, landed okay. back safely. Right. I, I am not a flyer. I don't really like flying. I've done it a million times, but I don't like it. Tori flies a lot more than I do. Michael flies a lot more than I do. There seems to be some criticism of these people. And Tori, you were pursing your lips when this <laughs> thing started. Uh, what it, what, how do you feel about this? It's, they got the money. It's their own money. Whatever. But I saw somebody tweet something out yesterday. I should have saved it. Dolly Parton gives away over $150 million worth of books to kids around the world, right? Henry she convinces, one every single month. Right? She gives oh, money to um, in Tennessee to get people vaccinated. 
I mean, these knuckleheads. Well, I'm sure you don't think they're charitable at all. I'm sure they're charitable to some degree. I'm sure they are. Bezos just gave Jose Andres $100 million. I I just think it's crazy. And it just reminds me back in the day with cable executives when they started to make money. And first they started buying fancy cars. And they're always trying to one-up each other with their fancy cars. Then they bought fancy boats and and then planes. And it's just an an extension of that. It's just a little Did you feel better when you found out that he's been interested in space, you know, since he was a kid and that this endeavor started before the huge... You sort of blow up of the Amazon money? Don't care. I, I am fascinated that he constantly wears a hat now because he doesn't want I people to that. see that he's bald. He well, wears he, a giant cowboy hat. Oh, he does? Bezos oh, yeah. does? I just love that hat, he had to go no a cattle. little bit higher than Branson. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure there's a Gary joke as to the duration of the flight. Yeah, and Nigel, didn't it cost something? Doesn't it cost something like $200 million a, a minute or something like that? Some ridiculous price tag for that flight. I'm going to go the other way on this. And my feeling is... You're just trolling for a no, space trip. No, I don't, I don't want to do that. I think that... Tony and Chessie. I think that these guys... <laughs> I'd pay for that. I think these guys are probably very charitable. Um, and I don't like when people they scream are. about them that they're not charitable in there and that this is all about their privilege. If they want to do this, if, if down the road, and I would assume down the road, the reason to do this is to show people it's safe and you can do it too. For And they're going to make these flights available to other people. Okay, this is just a business opportunity. I don't, I don't think it's so terrible. I was very surprised at the anger with which this was met. I really was. I mean, because I'm thinking, well, that's pretty cool. If they want to do it and they want to go up into space and it's their dime, let them do it. I, so I'm... I'm not, I am surprised. I'm not angry about it. And if it encourages young people to be interested in space, yeah. great. I mean, that's that's uh, space is the next place we're all going to live. As we're not living here anymore. It's too hot. Too yeah, hot well, it's almost what like Elon. Well, I was going to say Elon Musk has already talked about, you know, he wants to get a colony started on Mars within like the next 10 years. So they're, it's it's interesting. how they, They've sort of taken the forefront of space exploration, you know, over from NASA. Wait, 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 wait. Let, let's go back for a second. Elon <laughs> Musk, the Tesla guy, yeah, no, thinks he's that you can this- colonize Mars in the next 10 years? Well, not fully Is there any atmosphere it. on Mars? Is there, is, you know, what, no, what is he, they- ta- has he ever been to Mars? What is he <laughs> talking about? I saw I that movie with Matt Damon. You can go yeah, potatoes. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, Matt Damon can do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, he's okay. talked about that as sort of the next step of it. And he's already gotten so involved that he's, you know, taken uh, his spacecraft, I believe, have taken astronauts up to the space station. So he's really sort of inserted himself into that process and, and is leading that charge, even though he hasn't done well, that's sort fine. Of, but yeah. does he know anything about Mars? That's all I'm asking. Is Mars, is that doable well, if, if in the next get, 10 if years? If he can get the dedicated parking spots for the Tesla at the Safeway, he can colonize <laughs> Mars. Okay. All right, go ahead. What else? Uh, we're going to talk about camp, Mr. Tony. I got a very yes. interesting story emailed to me uh, from one Michael Kornheiser. Uh, this is about Bush, uh, Jenna Bush Hager's daughter had gone to camp, and, and, and Ms. Bush Hager uh, read a letter from her daughter that, that goes as following. Dear Mom and Dad, I miss you. I wish I could be with you. Uh, P.S. Daddy, how much longer till you pick me up? I miss you too much. I need to stop crying, so goodbye. I miss you terribly, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Michael, do you want to comment on this with a postcard you sent us some years back? Oh Well, let's just get to the postcard, which I have shared before, and I believe you still have in this house, which unbeknownst to me at the time, then made it into your Sunday column. Uh, So at at our camp, you had to do like a weekly letter home. So of course, I wasn't going more than the once a week letter home. And with my limited artistic ability, I drew a stick figure figure of one Michael Kornheiser. Uh, I believe I was physically hurting myself. Stabbing yourself with a knife. I wasn't going to go straight to stabbing. Stabbing 
cutting yourself with a knife. And so it's, what Liz sees the story, I see her looking at her phone, and of course I pulled. Are you on your phone? She's laughing. She goes, "You have to read the story." Didn't you said to? Didn't you said to let her home to your parents from camp? I go, "Yeah, yeah." So she she has me send it to Nigel for the news. So it's yeah. I mean, you're stabbing yourself. I hate it here. Come get me. Come get me. And then you you later found another camp that you liked, which made me happy. But I loved. I didn't love every day I went to camp, but I went to camp for like 20 years. I loved camp. Uh, our daughter Elizabeth loved camp. You did not love it. I enjoyed it at the end. There's, yeah. It just got to the point where there's other ways I wanted to spend my summer. Yeah. So I understand this little kid and what she's saying. I get that. They're not going to pick her up until Very it's well time written. to pick her up. Yeah. Well, that well, the mistake yes. that you made was you told me, if you don't like it here, I will pick you up. I know. It was Big stupid. Mistake. It was stupid. I learned... <laughs> from that all right what else we got well that camp is probably a lovely experience might be a little homesickness there but i'm sure it's a very lovely experience unlike this pricey new hampshire overnight camp uh camp quinnabarge uh where parents pay thirty four hundred dollars for a two week stay it had to close down after just six days uh and it's being called the fry festival do you remember that that debacle no. of a festival oh, yes. where the no. guy said it was yes. going to be this big music festival and it's going to be fantastic lodgings and yeah and it was it basically it ended up being like lord of the flies there was no food there was no artists there and it was a huge debacle i think the guy actually ended up going to jail for fraud for this well yep. this is what it's sort of being compared to uh tales of fistfights unsanitary meals and mass vomiting amongst the campers again it had to shut down just after six days this is a camp by the way that's been uh going on for 85 years in Moultonboro, New Hampshire. Uh, and I'll read you. So this is the other letter uh, as opposed to the one we just read. This is one that came home right. from one of the campers. We've been in tears, bored and devastated the whole day. The camp director is lying to you. You have to trust us. You have to. We are not joking. We are not having fun. So many things are wrong with this place. Well, what kind of things? Uh, well, apparently there was a big hiring shortage. Uh, so they, they were really short-staffed, and they just sort of scrambled to get whoever they could. Uh, one of those people was somebody that worked in the kitchen staff. He was fired for serving a mostly raw meatball to one of the, one of the kids there. In his broken, defense, they were previously cooked and frozen. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. A broken dishwasher in the kitchen meant dirty dishes were given to the kids at mealtime. Uh, there was some sort of outbreak that happened where a number of campers were vomiting and then subsequently quarantined. Uh, one child was hit in the head with a wooden block by another camper who then also attacked one of the counselors. So it has been just a disaster for that. A camp that's been in business for that long um, made it on its own and they probably now rent out the space to you know, to people who, who divide it. Camps used to be eight weeks long and then they went down to four weeks and four weeks and you could stay eight, but you could also stay four. And then they went down to two weeks and now they'll do anything because they charge so much money. And if you're willing to pay it, you can go to the camp. But I, I am a product of camps that were great and they were great. So I guess it's just different now because this sounds terrible. Sitting in the National Guard. Yeah, this sounds really <laughs> well, bad. Well, the old model for you is you had, you know, your 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 campers became counselors and trainings, became yeah. full staff Yeah, they stayed members. forever. And right now I'm sure the staff shortage is, is getting a lot of young international bodies. That's what they do. To, That's to, what they do. They sign those. they sign up for people from other countries. They come over and they make them counselors and, and, and they don't know what they're doing. They, they don't have camps where they are from, so they don't really know what they're Different doing. Different kind of camps. Yeah. In some yes. All right. What else? We're going to take you down to uh, Daytona Beach in Florida. Is it, where... What state is that in? That's in Florida, kids. <laughs> That's in Florida. Yes. Florida. And if I... 
if I didn't give you the state, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to identify where the state is from the story. As police uh, on Thursday morning were going down Highway A1A, they spotted A1A. a man. A1A, <laughs> yes. Spotted A1A a man. is right near the coast. That's right on the, the ocean coast of Florida. They, sp- they spotted a man who was trying to throw a live alligator uh, onto the roof of a beachside cocktail lounge. The 32-year-old man was arrested. He claimed that he had stolen the gator from an enclosure at a nearby miniature golf course. And when asked why he was trying to toss it up onto the roof of this cocktail lounge. So that girl Michaela could bring it down for Geico (laughs) and just jump up there and, thanks, Michaela. (laughs) No, he wanted to teach the alligator a lesson. What really? lesson that was, I'm not quite sure. There's lots so, of questions that emerged from this story, but yes. Let's go backwards, because Tori and I had the exact same thought. Jumped here. on it. What is it? <laughs> I've been to a lot of putt-putt golf courses. I've never seen an alligator yeah, What, what is it doing in an enclosure at, a, at a, a miniature golf course? What is a live alligator doing there? What exactly? Um, yeah, I would only think that, you know, it's some sort of attraction like, oh, we've got to go to the course with the live alligator, daddy. That's where we want to go. So I've played on golf courses in Florida and South Carolina where there are South Carolina all over the place where there are alligators. Michael, what is, how do you, you play there all the time. You see alligators all the time. You leave them alone. Now, I'm yeah. sure when they added this to the to the water feature, <laughs> the alligator was not the same size it was now. This seems like it's straight out of a happy Gilmore. You know, it, it took your hand. I got its eye. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you can't. It's, it's craziness. Now, dad will, dad will stay on the other side of the fairway I, in yeah. a cart. I don't want to have I don't want to Good be reason. close enough to an alligator, mm-hmm. which probably reaches a top speed of 40 miles an hour for a short burst. I don't want to be close enough that the alligator could grab me by the leg and try to throw me into the water and kill me. I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, I know there are a lot of people that try to tempt fate and go as close to the alligator as they can. I think they're stupid. Nigel, did you see the uh, mugshot of that guy? There's no mugshot. It just says that he was taken into custody, charged with possession and injury of an alligator, unarmed burglary of an occupied dwelling, theft and criminal mischief. And they say it showed Teach no attorney the alligator for the- a lesson. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we, he, need, he needs to do an interview soon to explain what was the lesson, what was the alligator Chickens. doing. And yeah. I did see his mugshot. He has no shirt on. I thought oh, he kind of had to have a shirt on for a mugshot. Dunning. Oh, true Florida. Yeah. Dunning. All right. What else? Or is that it? Uh, We had the bear story. Did you want that from Alaska? Oh, yes. Do the bear story. Do the bear story. All right. So the Coast Guard were flying in a helicopter from Kotzebue, I'm probably mispronouncing that, to Nome last Friday uh, when they spied a shack. This is about 40 miles uh, north of Nome. uh, And there was an SOS written on top of uh, or sort of scrolled on top of the shack. So they circled back around and they noticed a man waving his hands in the air. Now, the Coast Guard said this is considered the international distress signal. Really? Yeah. Thanks for clearing yeah. that up, Coast Guard. Uh, they went down, they touched down, and they rescued the man who had been staying in the hut in a remote mining camp, again, about 40 miles from Nome. He said he'd been attacked by a bear during his stay, uh, suffering some, some injuries to his torso and to his leg. And then he said the bear returned to Rassum every night for a week. So he'd been there for a week being sort of Evening stopped activity. and harassed. What are we going to do tonight? <laughs> Let's go back to this guy's house. Let's harass him. Yeah, let's do it every night if we can. Any <laughs> night ending in a Y, let's go back to his house and go get this guy. So the yes. guy, I take it, had no uh, method of transportation. He couldn't get no. out on his own. No, this so is did, like... 
this is like Jack London stuff. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of his little shack, and there's so they rescued him. There. Yes. Well, yes, his little shack. Do we have Do we have any reason to believe that in his little shack he actually owned it? Do we have any reason to believe that? Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was his or just like a, an abandoned mining area. Yeah. Or he was trying yeah. to mine. Maybe for it gold. was the bears. Yeah, Could maybe it was the bears. The bears. <laughs> right. Reverse it's the whole Goldilocks. Goldilocks thing. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Uh, important public service, uh, public service safety message in this. I learned from this story that if you're stranded somewhere or you're on an island and the plane and the helicopter goes off, don't wave one hand, right? And I you have to wave yep. two. Two hands. Yes. The Coast Guard yes. guy says that's the, the two hands waving. I never right. knew that. Okay. Right. All right. There you go. Wonderful. These were great news stories. Awesome. They were much better than the stories I suggested, which were lousy. So we'll take a break and we will come back. We will do email and a jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all you folks. Hey, Tony! Come on, come on. Hey, Tony! Read that Hot mail, Pink Hangover. Maybe. They'd be great as a wedding band, I think. Mm. Uh, Jesse is whining. Why is she whining? What is her problem? She's had food. All right, Nigel, why don't you do the Bethesda bagel ad? We got the sandwiches today, the bagel sandwiches. We're always excited about that. Go, you can get them too. Just go to BethesdaBagel.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, and I hope that these lyrics are correct. Are you sure these are the lyrics from the Bee Gees? Are you sure? Well, you can tell by the way I use my walk. I'm a woman's man. No time to talk. Music loud and women warm. I've been kicked around since I was born. Now it's all right. It's okay. And you can look the other way. We can try to understand the New York Times don't take no ads. Are we sure those are the lyrics? Sounds good. From uh, Saturday Night Live. Are we sure? It's actually the New York today. Huh? What? It, the New York Times effect on men, but I like to listen to it and say the New York Times don't take no ads. What is the actual lyric? The New York Times effect on man. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Let's thank Jeff Passan, who was great. Let's thank today's sponsors, Fitbod and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Let's... Let's start from Papa Thiam, and I don't know if I pronounce that correct. I never do every time he writes from Paris. I don't care much for golf. After 18 years of PTI and however many years it has been since the first podcast have forced me to become somewhat interested, albeit against my will. I'm not going to pretend that I watch tournaments on TV, but I occasionally check out the leaderboard during a major. Even after Tiger became a non-factor, I put the blame squarely on Wilbon and you. Since you owe me, would you be so kind? I know, I know, but a man can dream. As to answer a question, is there an actual written set of golf? guidelines for the courses that get selected for the U.S. Open versus the PGA Championship? Or is it a stupid unwritten rule like there are so many in baseball, another sport I didn't used to care one bit about? Are there any courses that have hosted both the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship? Thanks for your time. Do you know the answer to that? Yeah, it's more that there are unwritten rules, and there is there is a divide as to when does an old U.S. Open course become more of a PGA course. And this is one reason why the PGA has moved to May, as it opens up pockets of the U.S. that have not really held majors. If you think about the Southeast, Southwest, even moving into Texas, where the PGA is making their sort of super complex, which will be a place that they can anchor a lot of tournaments. I thought Congressional had hosted both, but maybe I'm wrong. Or oh, they're, they're on, they, they're they on are, the rotor they for are the on, PGA. They're on the rotor for the PGA. And they, I thought Baltusrol. Yes. I thought they had hosted both, but I don't know. Um, from 
I don't even know. It's not even says who it's from. On Monday's show, I fully expected Sansi to brag about him predicting Mackenzie Hughes' success at the U.S. Open this weekend. At the British Open, rather, this weekend. But since he didn't, I'll do it for him. While my 300-to-1 bet on Hughes to win outright didn't come through, my 25-to-1 bet on a top-10 finish still paid off quite nicely. The combo of Andy Byer and Steve Sands is setting me up with a nice bank that I will inevitably lose because I roll with the monkey come football season. <laughs> uh, from John Bradshaw, this is... Wow, this is like eight pages long, huh? As a fellow inhabitant of 20015, I've driven past Columbia hundreds of times over the years, but it never entered its hallowed grounds. So I took up you up on your invitation to come and watch the USGA Junior Girls Championship. It was a thrill to see in person the course I've listened to you talk about for so many years. The course has a beautiful rolling design and looked to be in great shape, purple line scarring aside. Watching Zhang and Davis up close, I was amazed at their skill level. Zhang went through a run on the front nine, of the second 18 in which she hit every shot perfectly and opened a six-up lead. My personal connection to the USGA Girls Junior Championship goes back many years to when I was a teenage caddy at Somerset Hills Country Club in Bernardsville, New Jersey. The club was hosting the Junior Girls in 1973, and unlike today, they just relied on local caddies to carry the bags. We had walked the course and created yardage books in preparation. We all had a lot of experience. We knew what we were doing. In the quarterfinals, I caddied for a girl whose name is lost to history, but her opponent's is not. We were paired against a young woman named Nancy Lopez. Nancy was the defending champ and was already a star. My girl played a fantastic round. We came to the 18th one-up on Nancy. The 18th at Somerset Hills, a Tillinghast design, is steeply uphill and has an almost blind shot into the green. You can see a little of the green, but what you can't see is the large flat area between the top of the hill and the green. The optical illusion makes the green look closer than it is. I knew that the club for my player was five iron, and that's what I told her. Her father, who was allowed to walk with us, told her I was wrong. It was much too, club, too much club. He told her to hit seven. She, of course, came up way short, eventually lost the hole to Nancy. We went into a playoff, and on the second hole, a signature Tillinghast redan par three, Nancy sunk a 20-foot putt to win the match. I let out a loud expletive, but I didn't get <laughs> reprimanded because everyone following the match knew what had happened and how the father had screwed up her daughter's round. Nancy actually lost that year in the semifinals to a girl named Amy Alcott, also in the Hall of Fame, I add parenthetically. Yes, I saw the future of women's pro golf for the next two decades right there at age 16. <coughs> Excuse me. The girl I caddied for never made it to the pros. Maybe if she'd listen to me, she'd be one of the greats, John Bradshaw. That's great story. fabulous. A great story. From Chip Robinson in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. On last Wednesday's pod, you and Sansi were talking about how everyone associated with the Open converges on the airport at the same time. It reminded me of a David Aldridge moment I had in the Detroit airport in 2004. I'd been treated to an all-expenses-paid trip to the Ryder Cup at Oakland Hills by a business associate at the time, and we were leaving on an early flight out Monday morning. While waiting in line for coffee, I turned to my left and I thought, wait a minute, I know that trophy. Coming down the escalator were six to eight members of the European Ryder Cup team, one of them carrying the trophy like it was a three-pound Toblerone from the gift shop. <laughs> they just throttled the U.S. team by the widest European margin of victory before or since, which may explain why they weren't being swarmed by people looking for autographs or pictures. The image of the actual Ryder Cup coming down that escalator is still as vivid in my mind as those stupid matching Euro blazers they had on that morning. Like they were on their way back to Loomis Chafee after a thrilling equestrian triumph. Very funny. From Sam Fritz in Schaumburg, Illinois, after listening to the podcast before the open with Sansy, 
taking uh, talking up Francesco Molinari's chances. I thought I'd put a few bucks on him. Molinari didn't even make the cut, so there's five bucks I'm never getting back. Looks <laughs> like I'm just going to stick with Andy Byer and the monkey when it comes to gambling going forward. <laughs> From Terry Tahara in Bremen, Indiana. I don't know if this qualifies as a David Aldridge moment, but I was watching my grandson play the NBA 2K video game in which he has created his own player. During halftime, he was interviewed by the video game David Aldridge persona. Does this count? That is so <laughs> tremendous. It's just tremendous. From Colin Horner in Springfield, Virginia. Once more about the junior girls at Columbia. Watching the semifinals, really compelling matches. Bailey Davis from White Plains, Maryland. Wait a minute. I know that girl, or rather her father. Morris Davis was the women's volleyball coach at St. Mary's College. For nine years, his team's always qualified for the conference tournament. I was a volleyball parent and more recently a volleyball official. I got to know him through both of those roles. He told me he resigned at coach at St. Mary's some eight years ago when spending the time needed to assist his daughter with her athletic endeavors, not as a volleyball player, but as a junior golfer. I would see him from time to time at volleyball tournaments. Bailey was often with him. Now here she was this weekend, the local favorite, beating Katie Lee, her friend from New Jersey, one up, pressing Rojong in the finals. I know that girl from Mary Faye Randolph in Austin, Texas. The email about the guy from Lewiston, Maine, about drinking the finger bowl water reminded me of an experience hosting education association members from around the state of Texas years ago. During our annual conference in Houston, I was one of the staff tasked with hosting members at one of the several sign-up dinners. I was assigned to Vargo's, one of the best, fanciest restaurants in the area, because I'd been there before with my aunt and uncle. The seven members who had signed up were from urban, suburban, and rural school districts. We were having a lovely meal. The service was impeccable, and the members expressed how glad they were they'd signed up for this restaurant. Right before the check was delivered, the wait person brought each of us a finger bowl with a delicate slice of lemon floating in it and a fresh napkin. Before before any of us had the chance to dip our fingers in the finger bowls, the principal from a tiny rural district in West Texas drawled, well, darn, if they didn't take my spoon, I don't have any way to eat this lemon soup. That's <laughs> 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 ah, great. Ray Shively, North Olmsted, Ohio. I was driving home from a weekend away when I spotted a Subaru abandoned on the shoulder of a busy freeway through Columbus, Ohio. It made me smile. What kind of person have I become? It's just lovely. And from Junior Rodriguez. Attached is a wedding invitation that I meant to send months ago. Whoops. The wedding happened on Saturday, July 17th here in St. Louis, and it was a lovely day. The woman to whom I now related by marriage radiated joy throughout the day, and I looked all right. Since the wedding has passed and you were confined to the grid of the 20015, I was hoping if you could send a gift, not off our registry, but just an updated picture of Michael riding the pony with Walker and Henry in the background <laughs> laughing at him. All jokes aside, thanks for the hours upon hours of content you and the gang have provided through the years. You all have been with me through my college career when I ran the Houston Marathon and for most of the high and low moments of my life. Keep up the good work. Hope everyone stays safe in this crazy semi-post-COVID world we live in now. Isn't that lovely? That's just lovely. Um, if you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the Schaputzfer to do it.
key to the 